Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. This week, I am bringing you a combination of two videos that I've done on YouTube uh, that are kind of clipped down and edited for not just length, but also for clarity so they're not wandering live streams regarding the Josh Duggar conviction. If you've not been following along with this story, I'm going to just give you a warning now. This is a case involving awful, awful stuff. So when I use certain phrases, sometimes I use the full phrase. Sometimes I use abbreviations, a, however my brain thinks of it and b for the algorithmic gods of YouTube that be. So you will hear me say CP interchangeably with child pornography. You will also hear me sometimes say CSAM, which means uh, child sexual abuse materials, which is what the images are considered. The crime itself is the possession and receipt of the child pornography. I will not be getting into details of the types of materials that he possessed, but in this episode, I will be getting into the jury instructions that define what some of these things are. Those aren't meant to be graphic, but I know that some can find them graphic. The reason I went through the jury instructions is to help everyone understand what the jury considered when they convicted Josh Duggar, because last week Josh Duggar was convicted on both counts that he was charged with. I know, I know it's how I feel too. And I've got myself a soundboard. So now nothing is safe. Nothing is safe. If you have not been following along with this story on YouTube, there is an entire playlist over there at the Emily D Baker. But if you just want to know the sum and substance of the case, the conviction and what comes next, you are absolutely in the right place as we jump in to this week's episode of the Emily show. Hey there. Welcome to the Emily show. I'm your host, Emily D Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Josh Duggar was convicted today of the two counts that he was facing after about a week of trial. This whole prosecution went fairly fast. Today, I'm going to talk about uh, potential sentencing, the procedure that comes next. We, I put up a poll. It looks like we're going to look at the jury instructions and see exactly what they considered on these charges. We can look at the witness list, or not the witness list, but the evidence list. I have that as well. And we'll just talk about what this jury did. And this was a pretty quick case. Um, all things considered, that's that's what it is. So let's talk about all of this. First, we're going to just do a breakdown. It is time for a breakdown. Let's just get rolling. Thank you all for being here. We should just talk about this stuff. I think we're just going to start at the beginning and go over the indictment. We'll do uh, not in detail, but we'll look at the indictment again that was passed down. Again, an indictment comes after a grand jury has heard evidence. The standard is lower than at a criminal trial. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt, but it's a, it's a, you know, reasonable probability to hold somebody for what they've been accused of. So we're going to look at the indictment real quick, the two charges, and then we will look at the verdicts. And then we will look at the, um, the poll and see if the jury instructions would help. It looks like 92% of you are saying, yes, the jury instructions would help. Here's what I really like about the jury instructions is they break down every step of this is what the jury must consider. And it's really at the heart of 
how they come to a decision-making process. So we're not going to sanitize that monetization, no monetization. The information and the facts are more important. So we're not going to sanitize those. So when we get to the jury instructions, the language is going to be the language of the charges. It's not going to be salacious. Um, We're definitely not making this a salacious coverage because that's gross and the charges are gross. But this is also reality. These are the charges. These are the things that happened. And then we're going to talk about um, potential sentencing, federal sentencing, and things like that. So let us just pull up this indictment. I also have a playlist on the channel. If you want the in-depth of the indictment, the law in motion, the motions in limine, and all of that, there's a whole playlist here. We're not going to really rehash that today because tonight there is a members-only live stream. I should have said that before I brought this up. So for those of you that are members on Patreon or here on YouTube, or become members before 7 p.m. Central Time tonight. There is a members-only live stream this evening. I always say, you guys, this one might be a little shorter, and they're always two hours or more. (laughs) Always. So that is this evening for all of you that are members. Um, Just remember, we will be be meeting again for a second Lawnard breakdown, and that is That is a really fun way for us to not just get together and chat, but to have lots of Q&A, talk about all the cases we've been covering. So let us um, get into this indictment. Again, a pretty simple indictment, two counts. Count one is receipt, receiving of the uh, CSAM images, the CP. And that is between or about May 14th, 2019 and May 16th in the Western District. Joshua James Duggar knowingly received CP images, CSAM images, as that term is defined in 18 U.S.C. 2256-8B, using any means and facility of interstate or foreign commerce. That means generally in this context, the wires, we know this is over the Internet, so that is the Internet. Count two, possession of the thing. So receiving the thing and then possessing the thing, which is why this possession is a lesser included crime. And we'll talk about what that means to the receiving, because once you receive it, you also then have it. So this is different than if they can't prove that somebody received it, but just prove that they had it. We'll talk about how those two factual scenarios break down uh, if it comes up in Q&A. So between May 14th and May 16th, Joshua James Ducker knowingly possessed material containing images of CP as the terms defined, including images of minors under the age of 12 uh, that had been in interstate commerce as defined in section 2252A, subsection A5B and B2. We'll get into those as we get into the jury jury instructions. The forfeiture allegation means that the stuff that you use, like the shit that we seized and the shit that you used, we get to keep and then we get to sell. This carries up to 20 years in prison. It can carry up to a $250,000 crime. And it also contains, uh, it also has a five-year mandatory minimum, which means no matter what the judge does, it cannot be less than five years. Um, It cannot be less than five years. So, Happy and you know it, 28, you asked the relevant question, why are receiving and possessing two different crimes? Receiving means they have to prove that you received it. Possessing just means that they proved you possessed it. So if they seized a computer and it had CP on it, but they can't trace back how you got it, that would just be a possession. But in this case, it was a a sweep of the internet. So they actually saw the hash files coming into the IP address, then searched the IP address, 
then found proof that it was possessed on the device. So they had the receipt of it over the internet plus the possession. Sometimes you just have a possession. You can't trace back the digital on the receipt. And they charge both because if a jury said, well, you know, I don't really understand how the police did this or how they tracked it or if that IP address is his IP address or if there was something shady with the router. Like, I don't understand. I don't necessarily believe that it came through the internet in that way, but I do believe it was on the computer and he possessed it. So that's why they are charged both because a jury could convict of one and not the other. In some factual scenarios, you can have possession without receiving. It's very unlikely you would ever have a receiving without possession because if you can prove the greater crime, you can generally prove the lesser crime. So hopefully that makes sense. And as we get to the jury instructions, you'll see those differences because we're going to go through exactly what the jury would have been told by the judge and was told by the judge to determine. So let's get to the verdict forms and then we will go to the um, verdict forms and then we will go to the, why is my, stop being shady internet. No, it's not the internet. It's, it's me. It's operator error. We'll get to the verdict forms and then we'll go into the jury instructions and then we'll go into questions because that's what it is. All right. I'm so glad that when they published this, they they uh, redacted it for me. I didn't have to redact it. Thank you, federal court. But federal court, uh, federal court's very mindful. Verdict form count one on the crime of receipt of CP as charged in count one of the indictment. We, the jury, find defendant Joshua James Duggar guilty. This date, signed for person in the United States, verdict form count two on the crime of possession of CP as charged in count two of the indictment. We, the jury, find the defendant, Joshua James Duggar, guilty. 12-9-21, four person signed. These are the verdict forms that would have been handed to the judge. These are officially filed. So this is, this is exactly what it is. Um, somebody signed the wrong date or, or it, it looks like they signed um, 2019 and then went and fixed it to 2021, but they might've been looking at the date of the crime. Um, and then that was initialed and fixed. So there we go for the jury crimes. So this is for the jury verdicts. So these are the verdicts. These are the verdict forms, very simple verdict forms. Other cases that I've covered have much more complex verdict forms where you have to find if there's lesser included, you have to find if there's circumstances. This is very much was it this? Was it that? That's it. So let's get into, oh, hello. There's like over 5,000 of you here. Hey, um, just, just a note, um, because we are talking about sensitive topics and a sensitive subject and a very polarizing individual who's been convicted of very awful and disgusting things. We try to keep the chat a conscientious place. I always default to the no name calling. Um, it is set to subscribers mode. So if you cannot chat, it's probably because you are not a subscriber and that is okay. It is your choice. But if you would like to subscribe, subscribe and the chat will become open to you. But that is because we do get trolling on these topics. And I don't think it's fair, especially if people come in and make comments about other members of the family, et cetera. We are not here to foster hate. We are here to talk about the facts and not the fuckery. So that is why the rules are the rules. And because we are a midday extra stream, our mods are working very hard. But with regard to comments that might get blocked by Google or by Nightbot, which is automatic, um, if I cannot get to those and we cannot approve those, just know that it's because the streams get busy. And thank you. That is that is Google making those decisions and we're letting them go when we are when we are shorthanded. And that is my choice to do so. We will get into the exhibit lists in a minute. George, 
Why are you being so loud? The pawners are having a whole moment. <laughs> the pawners are having a whole moment over there. All right, let's get into these uh, final jury instructions. When I left the district attorney's office in LA, I can tell you, I did not think that I would be reading jury instructions again to anyone. It was definitely not on my radar, but I also find them very, very helpful because then you understand the jury was told to consider this, and that is what they're considering. And I think that it is the best way to break down exactly what these crimes entail for the jury to consider. This is exactly what they would have been told. Like, th these are so nicely done. Not all state courts make it this easy. The one thing about federal court that I don't like, I don't like that there's no photography, there's no videography, there's no audio stream. We don't know what happens except for those that are in the courtroom reporting, and I'm glad that there were. But the verdict forms are so easy to read, like just thank you. So these are the instructions laid out. It is not the longest jury instructions I've ever seen. They're only 20 pages long. We're not going to go through all of them. We're going to go through the charges. So description of charges and burden of proof, defendants, prior similar acts, count one, count two. These are the instructions we're going to go through. We're not going to go through balancing credibility of witnesses and expert testimony and such. Um, it's standard in every trial, but the instructions on the charges matter. So let's go to the instructions on the charges. That looks like it is, should be on page seven. God, these are so, they're so easy to read. They're so nicely laid out. Thank you, federal court, for making everything so easy. Credibility, expert testimony, description of charges and burden of proof. So this is where, this is where the jury is told what they are to consider. And for any of you that have been on uh, jury duty, then you completely understand this. For those of you that haven't been on jury duty or aren't in the United States, this is what the jury is told how to govern their decision-making process and what they have to find. So I'm just going to put on my best judge voice and, uh, wait, where's my gavel? I need a gavel. We're going to get a gavel and we're going to, we're going to just, I mean, I'm already in a black robe cause that's what I live in. So we live it. We live in black. We've got a gavel. Ladies and gentlemen of the law nerds, the jury instructions are as follow. <clears throat> Final instruction number seven, description of charges and burden of proof. The indictment in this case charges Mr. Duggar with two different crimes. Count one charges that Mr. Duggar committed the crime of receipt of child pornography in violation of federal law. Count two charges that Mr. Duggar committed the crime of possession of child pornography in violation of federal law. Mr. Duggar has pleaded not guilty to these charges. The indictment is simply the document that formally charges Mr. Duggar with the crimes for which he is on trial. The indictment is not evidence. At the beginning of the trial, I instructed you that you must presume Mr. Duggar to be innocent. Thus, he began the trial with a clean slate with no evidence against him. The presumption of innocence alone is sufficient to find Mr. Duggar not guilty and can be overcome only if the government uh, proved during the trial beyond a reasonable doubt each element of the crime charged. Keep in mind that each count charges a separate crime. You must consider each count separately and return a verdict for each count. Please also remember that only Mr. Duggar, not anyone else, is on trial here and that Mr. Duggar is only on trial for the two charges crimed, crimed for the two crimes charged and not for anything else. There is no burden on Mr. Duggar to prove that he is innocent. So this is all explaining the burden of proof. 
There is no burden on Mr. Duggar to prove that he is innocent. Instead, the burden of proof remains on the government throughout the trial. Accordingly, the fact that Mr. Duggar did not testify must not be considered by you in any way or even discussed in arriving at your verdicts. Final instruction number eight, defendant's prior similar acts. You heard evidence that the defendant may have previously committed another offense of child molestation. The defendant is not charged with this other offense. You may consider this evidence only if you unanimously find it is more likely true than not true. You decide that by considering all of the evidence and deciding what evidence is more believable, this is a lower standard of proof than proof beyond a reasonable doubt. If you find that this offense has not been proved, you must disregard it. If you find that this offense has been proved, you may consider it to help you decide any matter to which it is relevant. The underlying charges. You should give it the weight and value you believe it is entitled to receive. You may consider the evidence of such other acts of child molestation for its tendency, if any, to show the defendant's propensity to engage in child molestation, as well as its tendency, if any, to determine whether the defendant committed the acts charged in the indictment and to determine the defendant's intent. So to see that, um, whether or not that helps them, if they decide that that is more likely true, they're allowed to consider it to determine whether the crimes charged are more likely true. Remember, the defendant is only on trial for the crimes charged. You may not convict a person simply because you believe he may have committed similar acts in the past. Elements of count one. The crime of receipt of child pornography is charged in count one of the indictment has three elements, which are the jury has to find each of these things beyond a reasonable doubt. First, that between on or about May 14th and on or about May 16th, Mr. Duggar knowingly received visual depictions of child pornography. Second, Mr. Duggar knew that the visual, de visual depictions were of a minor engaging in, a sexually, ex in sexually explicit conduct. And third, that the visual depictions had been mailed, shipped, or transported by any means, including by computer, in interstate or foreign commerce. If all of these elements have been proved beyond a reasonable doubt as to Mr. Duggar, then you must find Mr. Duggar guilty of the crime charged under count one. Otherwise, you must find Mr. Duggar not guilty of count one. That's why the computer matters, because they have to prove they have to prove how it was, how it transported. And this is why the jury has to see the images. The jury has to see the images to know if they can convict him of knowing that the visual depictions were of a minor. In this case, we know that they are dealing with substantially young minors. So it's not going to be a question of, is this person on like three days away from turning 18? That's not what we're talking about here. So that is why they need to see it. Um, and that is why it comes up because the government has to prove that Duggar knew that these were depictions of a minor. And when it comes to that, knowing the jury can use those prior acts to say, no, he knew because A, we've seen that there is a proclivity for this. There's a propensity for this with substantially young minors, prepubescent minors, but also because we have seen these images and we know, and the jury sees those unredacted, unchanged as they would have been found on the computer. So again, don't go looking for that because you can't unsee that. I always warn 
Um, just know that it's horrific. And if you think it's horrific, it's worse than probably what you can imagine in your head. So just don't try. Know it's awful. Know that the lead investigator described what was found on this computer as the top five most disturbing images that they have ever seen in their career doing this. So that's all we need to know about it. It is horrific stuff. Um, and that is that is going to be an easy element for the jury to find once they see the image, those images that were recovered here. Uh, final instruction number 10, elements of count two. The crime of possession of child pornography is charged in count two, has four elements, which are, and this is, the crimes are different, right? So this has four elements. This has three elements. Not all these elements will overlap. First, on or between the dates charged here, Mr. Duggar knowingly possessed computer files on an HP all-in-one desktop. That's why we saw that motion in Lemonade proving what the desktop was and saying, hey, can we just go with the trade inscription and the trademark inscription? We don't have to bring in an expert to say that's an HP computer. Um, knowingly possessed computer files on an HP all-in-one desktop computer that contained multiple visual depictions of child pornography. Second, that Mr. Duggar knew that the visual depictions of the minor were of a minor engaging in sexually explicit conduct. And third, that Mr. Duggar knew that such items contained child pornography, which involved a prepubescent minor or a minor who had not attained the age of 12 years of age. Fourth, that the HP computer or the computer files containing the visual depictions had been shipped or transported using any means or facility of interstate or foreign commerce or affected interstate or foreign commerce by any means, including by computer. You have heard evidence of more than one visual depiction involving the offense. You must agree unanimously that at least one specific visual depiction possessed by Mr. Duggar involved a minor under the age of 12 years old and that this specific visual depiction was possessed using or affecting interstate commerce means. So the jury has to agree which image. And this is why we're going to go through the evidence list, because the jury has to say, you know, evidence item number 12, 13, and I'm making up these numbers, we'll go to the, the evidence list. But we agree that these images are images that depict this. There are... Um, <sighs> The jury would be able to do that based on the images at hand here because the children are clearly not over the age of 10. They are clearly not over the age of six. They are clearly very young children. Um, so this can, this can have a higher sentence because this is the subsection of the crime charged um, with the children being under 12 years of age. So this is the jury instruction for that specific possession subsection. If all of these elements have been proved beyond a reasonable doubt as to Duggar, you must find Duggar guilty of the crime charged in count two, which actually the sentencing might be, I need to go back and double check. The sentencing might be the higher one on count two, the possession and not count one, the receipt, because the receipt only has the three elements, the possession has the two, but either way, they are the, they are lesser included of one lesser of the other um, and it actually might be that count two is the greater and count one is the lesser. I'll go back and double check either way. Um, the sentence, the sentence, and I need to, I'll just pull it up. But the sentence maxes at 20 years with that five year, um, minimum sentence. Final instructions, number 11, a definition. Uh, this is what they are given to determine what the images are. So it is defined for the jury. So there is no question about what these things are. The, um, 
The depictions can be, the definitions can be a little explicit. Um, so we are going to go through them. These, this is what the jury had to find. These are the definitions of what the things are. If you do not want to know, uh, it less than five minutes, come on back. But I'm just going to let you know that we are going through the definitions section of the jury instructions because this is what the jury had to determine. And this is what the words mean. Defining what everything means is very important. Visual depiction, as used in these instructions, the term visual depiction includes any photograph, film, video, picture, computer, or computer-generated image. Computer-generated image is important when it comes to this category of crimes because it doesn't matter criminally if the image is produced with a, a live minor or if it is a computer-generated image of a minor. So it does not matter whether they prove, and they do not have to prove, that the child in the image is a actual child that lived and was abused and had these images taken. It can be a computer-generated image, and that is something that very much happens as people were trying to get around some of these laws and be like, well, it's a computer-generated image. It doesn't matter under the law. So that is why this is in here. It can be a computer-generated image or picture, whether made or produced by electronic, mechanic, or other means. So you don't have to prove um, that this child is this name, this age. You don't have to prove any of that. You just have to show the image and then prove the rest of the things to the image. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, child pornography, the phrase child pornography means any visual depiction of a minor engaging in sexually explicit conduct whether the minor was engaged in the sexually explicit conduct during the production of um, the depiction. So where, sorry, not whether, where the minor was engaging in the explicit conduct during the production of the depiction. And when I talk about this in other cases, because I've been asked about other cases where you have people sending photographs, people asked about this with regard to James Charles. This is when you get to what the sexually explicit conduct is. We're going to get to that definition in just a second, but just sometimes images of, of bodies doesn't necessarily count. We talked about this with the, um, the person who sold a picture of themselves on, on OnlyFans as a child without underwear on, but it's, there has to be for these laws, there has to be, um, that explicit conduct. It is not just an image of a naked child. So if you have ever, you know, though those photos are taken off of Facebook and other social media apps and traded in these same circles, to be prosecuted, you have to prove that there is the sexually explicit conduct. And that's where sometimes people find frustration with the laws. And you can find people trying to skirt the laws by asking for things that might not be explicit. And we're going to define that now. So just, just a whole big warning. Um, this shit's fucked up. We're going to just, we're going to go through what the jury had to define. Minor, the term minor means any person under the age of 18 years old. Sexually explicit conduct, the term sexually explicit conduct means actual or simulated uh, intercourse, including genital to genital, oral to genital, anal to genital, or oral to anal, whether between persons of the same or opposite sex, uh, masturbation, statistic, or sado 
sadistic or masochistic abuse or lascivious exhibition of genitals or pubic area of any person. When we talked about the cuties movie, this is where, this is where that debate lingered on the lascivious um, exhibition of genitals, which is where you get, um, which is where you get this stuff. Lascivious defined because again, when you are coming to a criminal prosecution, you have to define what all of these things mean for the jury to decide. This is what the jury had to decide. All right. Lascivious, whether a visual depiction of the anus, genitals, or pubic area of any person constitutes a lascivious exhibition requires a consideration of the overall content of the material. The jury had to discuss this. They had to determine this with regard to the images that are in evidence. You, must con you may consider such factors as whether the focal point of the picture is on the minor's uh, anus, genitals, or pubic region, whether the setting of the picture is sexually suggestive, that is the place or the pose generally associated with sexual activity, whether the minor is depicted in an unnatural pose or inappropriate attire considering the age of the minor, whether the minor is fully or partially clothed or nude, whether the picture suggests sexual coyness or a willingness to engage in sexual activity, whether the picture is intended or designed to elicit a sexual response in the viewer, whether the picture portrays the minor as a sexual object, the captions on the pictures. And this is where, when we talked about that case on OnlyFans, the captions can play into it, which is why when I went through this, I was like, look, the captions matter. If you're selling a photo of yourself as a child on Instagram or on, on, on OnlyFans without underwear, being like, I forgot my panties, the caption matters, even if the image doesn't matter. So this, the, Look, sometimes being a lawyer is the worst and cases like this are the fucking worst. All right, computer, they define computer. They define everything. They define computer. They define inter interstate and foreign commerce. Interstate commerce means between any combined states, territories, possessions of the United States. Computer means, how do you legally define a computer? <laughs> An electronic, magnetic, optical, electromechanical, or other high-speed data processing device performing logical arrhythmic or storage functions that includes any data storage facility or communications facility uh, directly related to operating in conjunction with such a device. By the way, this would, under this legal definition, be a computer. Um, but such term does not include any automated typewriter or typesetter, a portable handheld calculator, or similar device. So phone, yes. TI-87, no. And that is the end of the definitions. It is for you to determine, however, if the HP computer had been shipped or transported using interstate or foreign commerce, which is why they wanted to prove that it was from China, um, or if the computer files containing the visual depictions had been transmitted or received over the internet. And that is where that broad definition matters. Additional terminology, proof or intent of knowledge. Intent or knowledge may be proved like anything else. And this is he, they have to decide the jury had to decide um, if he knew that the minors depicted were underage. So the jury had to know that. And so this defines how you prove that someone else knew something. Obviously, he didn't testify. You can't comment on testimony and lack of testimony. So the jury has to infer intent. 
Intent or knowledge may be proved like anything else. You may consider statements made and acts done by the defendant. So when the jury was asking for the interview by the defendant, they have to consider this as they're going through the jury instructions, which is why what's in these instructions matters so much. Any statements made by the defendant, the statement when the police showed up and they're like, oh, somebody downloading CP, that statement matters to the jury. It's like, does that statement alone prove knowledge or intent? For me, yes. And for this jury, possibly. You may but are not required to infer that a person intends the natural and probable consequences of acts knowingly done or knowingly admitted. Possession, the law recognizes several kinds of possession. A person may have actual possession or constructive possession. A person may have sole or joint possession. Two people can possess a thing at once. A person who knowingly has direct physical control over a thing at a given time is then in actual possession of it, the computer and the things on the computer. A person who, although not in actual possession, has both the power and the intent at a given time to exercise domain or control over a thing, passwords and such, either directly or through another person or persons, is then in the constructive possession of it. If one person alone has actual or constructive possession of a thing, possession is sole. If two or more persons share actual or constructive possession of a thing, possession is joint. And so whenever the word possession has been used in these instructions, it includes actual as well as constructive possession, sole as well as joint possession. Then it gets into the reasonable doubt standard, which obviously the jury didn't find because they convicted him. And then they go into the process of picking a four person. So we are going to jump from the jury instructions into the exhibit list. The exhibit list is not graphic. The exhibit list shows... Um, highlights. I believe the highlights are the things that the jury asked for um, or the things that are received digitally, but I could be wrong on that because I could be wrong on that because wrong happens. So the exhibit list from the, the, uh, let me just double check the, there are names on some of these files. I will just again, warn, uh, don't Google, don't Google, don't Google. So we will, all right, we will go through the government's list of, of, um, of evidence, and then we'll go through the defense evidence admitted. This is not graphic. There are some names, but they are not graphic. So it's just the list of evidence. So yes, for all of you that are back and are like, is this okay? Yes, we are, we are, we are, whew, we're just, where's Fred? Fred, we need our emotional support cat. Where is my paw nerd? Fred! <sighs> All right. Let us go through the evidence list and the date offered, whether there was an objection, a stipulation, and whether it was received. And this is the exhibit list. A torrential downpour log for video movie underscore 026.mp4. So this is the torrential downpour is the system that the government used to literally um, sweep the internet with like a net to find it's a program that runs to find these hash files. So these are the initial things and these will go in order. Um, these will go in order. Torrential downpour log for the video, marissa.zip thumb drive containing video movie. This is that torrential downpour log for that movie and 65 images from the Marissa zip file. Um, and then in, in quotes, it says CSAM. So those are the materials that, um, that they are discussing. This 
log is the log of the the log of the government seeing it and then getting the search warrant and then tying it back to the computer at the location. Search warrant document map of Wildcat Creek Road, view one and two. Search warrant photos. And these are all different search warrant photos of the location. These are going to be photos of the computer, the desk, and all that stuff. Search warrant, the final search warrant photo, Apple iPhone. This would be the iPhone taken at the time that we heard a lot about in the pretrial motions and the motions in limine that Josh was like, I should call my attorney. And then the, the government was like, yoink, what you're not going to do is use that phone. We have a search warrant for it. Thanks. We're going to take that. Statement of rights form, Josh Duggar, November 8th interview with Josh Duggar, wholesale motor cars, pay records. That's going to be to show again that during that time, uh, no one else had dominion and control over the computer or access into the office, even though they say somebody else, some other dude did it. Stipulation regarding Exhibit 23, Exhibit 23 being the pay records. We saw motion in limine, motions in limine on those records that, um, that they didn't want the government presenting the records in a way and be like, and Josh Duggar told us this. It was just a the custodian of records gave us these. They're true and accurate. So that's why there's a stipulation regarding the payroll records, the HP laptop, the MacBook computer, virtual machine print screens of the HP desktop Windows partition, virtual machine print screens of the HP desktop Linux partition, thumbnail images from the cache, um, and they are marked obscene when they are the images, um, the EXIF information from thumbnail images from normal folder, thumbnail images from a cache folder, EXIF information from the thumbnail images from large folder, um, images from unallocated space that match thumbnail images from normal folder, additional images from unallocated space, Tor browser bookmarks, recently used file data, Tor files on the HP desktop Linux partition, torrent file hash values, torrent file contents, all the computer stuff. Um, and then other movies, storyboards of the movies, um, pedomom.wave file, storyboard of that file, mamalinda.mp4, and these other ones. Um, some of these are more graphic than I thought. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna just what we're just what we're just gonna do is just look. There are some things that the world doesn't need to know, but these are the files that the jury would have seen. Um yeah, so we're not again, we're not sensationalizing horrific images of abuse. It's just we're just we're just not. Um Recently used file data. So these are all the things showing like your browser history, though you might delete it, is not gone. Virtual machine print screens, Apple notes from MacBook, emails relating to Intel 1, uh, 1988, torrent files on MacBook, Covenant Eyes email, another Covenant Eyes email. Fred, come here, buddy. Don't be coy with me. You know you, know you want to come say hi. Fred's like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Well, hello. Say hello. Hi. We're not purring. No, not yet. All right. Um, that's fine. Oh, don't. No, not on the iPad, Fred. Sorry. He's like, bottom, you put me on it. No, I didn't. Maybe a little. All right. Where were we? Covenant Eyes emails. So we talked a lot about Covenant Eyes in the free pretrial motions. Images from defendant's iPhone 8. Those images are going to show the defendant in the car lot at the time. So they used a lot of images to show, look, at the time someone was on the computer doing this, there are pictures from the phone that are geotagged to the same location. So if you want to know if somebody's in the same place and location, the geotagging on the phone pictures is one of the things they really leaned into for this. 
iMessages, images, iMessages, all for the same to show that he was at the location. And iMessages in the uh, detention hearing indicated like, oh, I'm still at the car lot home soon, that kind of stuff. The media history and then the timeline created by the lead investigator here. So those are the 85 exhibits. Um, some, again, some of the obscene ones are all the ones in blue because those A, are going to be sealed. B, those are, are going to be handled differently uh, in just the way the court handles exhibits because that needs to be done in a mindful way. This is the defense exhibit list of everything that was offered in. The exhibit list for the defendants is an eight gigabyte Scandis thumb drive. And these are blue. Again, I, I think I suspected correctly that these are the things that contain the uh, CSAM images. These would have been presented by defense because they would have been the things used by the defense expert to go through and do the, the expert um, analysis of these items, the eight gigabyte drive, the 16 gigabyte drive, the two gigabyte drive, the eight gigabyte drive, and the four gigabyte drive. So these are all the things that their expert would have used. The different torrential downpour log files from different days, different photos that are bait stamped, uh, which keeps them in order. So photos from item number 19 to item number 38, uh, just kidding, through item number 40. The search warrant return the search warrant return is after the government gets a search warrant, goes out and serves the search warrant. They then go back and file a search warrant return with the judge saying, we searched this place. We found this shit. Search warrant return. So it shows, I don't know what the defense used this for. I didn't look into that part of the testimony. I don't even know if it was, um, I don't even know if it was reported what they used the search warrant return for. Search warrant inventories, email correspondence and shipping labels photo identification of the file name, uh, HP computer link files, screenshot from the HP, screenshot from the MacBook, screenshot from the Apple iPhone, um, Josh Duggar interview, pages 13, lines 1 through 13, Josh Duggar interview, page 15, Adam Walsh examination worksheet, uh, GNOME control center desktop, Linux partition size, underscore not available. I don't know what that is. Clearly somebody objected to it. Application state for GNOME exhibits and Snap Store uTorrent. So that all is stuff that they would have used. Um, it sounds like with their expert, there's a few things that were objected to here, but most of it wasn't. And it didn't matter because the jury said, what we're not going to do is find Josh Duggar not guilty. So they found beyond a reasonable doubt that the image were what, images were what they were, that Josh knew what they were, and that he did the things. Again, this carries a five-year mandatory minimum sentence. So when sentencing comes up, he will be sentenced to prison. The question is how long and if he will be fined in addition to it. Often, individuals are not fined in addition to a criminal sentence like this when you go to prison. It doesn't mean it can't happen. It may happen. It well could happen. Um, and I'm just going to make sure. I see our chat flying. I know there's quite a lot of you in here. I'm going to make sure that it is... Uh, as, yeah, I think that's as slow as we can. I think that's as slow as we can get. Um, so apologies. Slow mode is, is on. And with that, uh, there will be time for sentencing memos. The, he's going to be in custody until sentencing. Again, he is going to do a minimum of five years. And with the minimum of five years, him being in, in, in custody pending sentencing means he will stay local. Um, and his family can come visit. Once he is sentenced, he can be sent to any federal prison. 
whether they will keep him local so it's easy for his kids to visit or send him to like upstate New York or something. So it's harder will be partly in discretion of the judge, partly with space and the prison system. And if there's concerns about keeping him safe based on his minor celebrity and based on the nature of the charges, they might have to place him somewhere um, where he can be kept safe as well, um, because that is their duty and obligation. So with that, this will be put over for sentencing. What will happen for sentencing is that the defense and the prosecution will file sentencing memos. The defense will point out all the reasons why they think Josh should get a downward departure or a lower sentence. Hey, he's not been convicted of stuff before. Hey, he has seven children. Hey, uh, he has a job, that kind of stuff. And the prosecution will be, Hey, did you hear the testimony? Did you see the images? Did you hear Bobby Holt? Did you hear what he's been accused of before? Consider all of that. Put him in prison. He's a danger to his own children. He's the worst. And so the judge will take those two sentencing memos under consideration. Sometimes can hold a sentencing hearing, sometimes not. There will not be a um, victim. There will not be generally victim impact statements, but there can be impact statements from um, family on his behalf or against him. Um, so there can be a full sentencing hearing where people choose to come and testify. It will be very interesting to see if people choose to testify at his sentencing and then what the judge decides to do. Keep in mind that with a federal sentencing, the judge may not proclaim a sentence on that day of the sentencing hearing. The judge will hold the sentencing hearing, consider the sentencing memos, hear from any witnesses that may be called for either side and then can take it under consideration and write a formal sentencing uh, opinion. And that is something that we may see uh, from this judge that it's taken under consideration. And generally, it will matter when they are going into the higher realms of sentencing or into the very low realms of sentencing, that there will be a full written sentencing opinion. And I won't be surprised to see that. So minimum of five years, if the judge considers the prior acts, Look, the jury wasn't finding the prior acts, but the judges heard this testimony. The government will probably bring it up in their sentencing memo. I'd be shocked if they don't. If the judge considers the prior acts and danger to the community, the judge could get into half, you know, 10, which is five more years than the mandatory minimum. So it's like double the mandatory minimum, but it's half of the max, which would be for federal sentencing reasonable. Uh, federal sentencing tends to be low, especially when they are considered nonviolent crimes. And I know, chat, I feel you. I hear you. I, I know what you're going to say. But these are image-related crimes. They are considered nonviolent crimes because this is not the production of the things. It is the having of the things. So these are considered nonviolent crimes. But if the judge considers the prior bad acts, the judge can take that under consideration, can't add to the sentencing because of that. He doesn't have priors that he's been convicted of, but the totality of the circumstances might allow the judge to bump the sentence up into 15 years. I would be, frankly, I would be shocked if he got 15 years. I think eight to 12 is probably where we will see this, though it depends. Um, the judge could the judge could find more. It depends on what happens at that sentencing hearing, which is why I will keep my eye on the sentencing hearing. I do not think that the judge is going to give him the maximum. It, it's very rare in federal cases that someone with no record would get maxed out. It can happen. 
it's just exceedingly rare. So I would not, um, I would not put my hopes on the fact that he's getting tw- 10 years, 20 years. I would put my, my sights after trial in that kind of 10 to 15 realm. And that's where I would be like, okay, this judge considered everything 10 to 15. I saw a few things in the chat about the appeal. It's the job of the defense attorneys. They are going to appeal. They're going to appeal the ruling that the judge allowed the testimony of Bobby Holt in. They're going to appeal a few other things. Of course they are. It's their job. Almost every criminal conviction gets appealed in this trial. There is no glaring appealable issue for me. It doesn't mean they're not going to appeal and have it get denied. It their client's going to say, appeal everything you can appeal, and they're going to. I don't think it'll get overturned on appeal. We've swooped. Josh Duggar was also convicted. It is so recent. That happened yesterday as well. I feel like I've lived 1,000 years since yesterday. There's a lot of information, and I have had a chance to watch the prosecutor's uh, video statement I have had a chance to go back for myself through the actual code of the law and answer some of the questions that I see continuing to pop up on social media. Josh Duggar, as we know, and I went through this very thoroughly yesterday. I'm not going to go through it through too thoroughly today. I'm also uh, not here to fact check. This is a very polarizing case, but I just want to make sure we understand some of the basic misconceptions I've seen on the internet and that I've been asked about a lot because I think understanding is important. Josh Duggar was charged with two counts, receiving the things, you know, we are thoroughly demonetized from yesterday, so we're going to try to downplay it today, receiving the things and having the things. Receiving the things is a more serious crime. Having the things is a lesser included crime to receiving the things. So the receiving the things and the having the things is two different code sections, two different crimes for the same behavior. So he's charged for the same, for the same behavior. You cannot be convicted of multiple crimes for the same behavior and be sentenced for them together. They are a lesser included of themselves. So you will often have prosecutors charge things in, um, charge things in different ways because if a jury finds facts A, B, and C, but not fact D, then it might be the lesser included and not the greater. But you cannot be sentenced to them together because they are for the same course of behavior. So you can never add count one and count two to get to more than that. It's never that count one carries 20, count two carries 20, 20 plus 20 equals 40. Math is math. Is math. You. Um, Math is math, but when it comes to federal sentencing laws, lesser included can't be sentenced. So you can either get count one or you can get sentenced on count two. Because it's a lesser included, the court is going to stay the conviction because they are saying you cannot be convicted on both legally. It's the same behavior. So it will, the conviction will be stayed. If something happens to count one on appeal, I'm sure there will be an appeal. I don't think the appeal will go very far. But if something happens on appeal, then you can reinstate the conviction on count two and then be sentenced on count two. So with that, the minimum, the least, the lowest amount the judge can sentence him to is five. The maximum the judge can sentence him to is 20. 
There are sentencing range guidelines in between there. The judge can choose to go five, six, and any number up to 20. The reason I don't think we will get into the higher numbers is because when you look at this case, take who it is out of it, but you have to think like a judge and a lawyer, which is hard if you've never worked in criminal law. There are a lot of things the judge sees. There are a lot of cases like this with first-time offenders where you are dealing with gigabits and sometimes hundreds of gigabits of this material. This case was over two days and only had a few image sets. Now, for, for people who are normal humans, one image is way too fucking much. Go to prison. Oh, my God. But when you are dealing in this realm of crimes, you get people with thousands and thousands and thousands of images. So in the scale of how the judge is going to look at this, this amount of images is not at the top end of the worst. Some of these images are the worst, but this is not at the top end of how many images people have. With that, there is also no prior conduct that the judge can consider for a sentencing enhancement, meaning adding more time above the 20 or even bumping the time up because they aren't convictions. They are old. And not only that, but they are not, con well, I said they're not convictions and they are old, but also he was a, um, he was a minor at the time. So with all of that, it was my estimation that we can get to, you know, that eight to 12 year range. The judge can go higher. The judge can go lower. The judge can't go lower than five and the judge can't go higher than 20. So it's going to be somewhere in those range and we will see what the judge does. Could the judge give him 19 years and be like, ha -ha, 19 years and counting, my good sir? He could. Will he? I don't know. Because then if you have somebody who has a first time offense with uh, 3,000 images or 4,000 images or 10,000 images, what do they get sentenced to? So in criminal sentencing, there is a range. Criminal sentencing in federal court also tends to be a little bit lower because in federal court, they don't, they serve a higher percentage of the time. So instead of serving 50% or 30% of their time, they will serve closer to 80% of their time based on the way that time works in federal custody. So we will see what the judge, what the judge decides. And with that, we will see the sentencing documents and I will cover those when they come out. The prosecution is going to file a sentencing document. The defense will file a sentencing document. Witnesses can come to the sentencing hearing and the prosecution will argue for a sentence. The judge will argue or the defense will argue for a sentence. And then the judge will generally take it under consideration and issue a sentencing memo with the amount of time that they're going to give. Though the judge could be ready to do that at the day of and give a sentence the day of. Could happen. So we will see. Um, and we will see what the, what the judge decides. I will be interested to see what the government asks for in their sentencing memo. And I will be interested to see what the defense argues to depart downward. My guess is that the, departs, the defense is going to say, look, He's an upstanding member. Look, I am trying to put my head in the head of a defense attorney that is going to say the things that I'm trying. They're going to say he has a lot of children. They're going to say that he is an upstanding member of the community and owned a business. 
They're going to say that he has no prior convictions. They're going to have to say these things with a straight face. They are going to say that he has never been accused um, of this type of a crime before because the other types of a crime, he was a minor and that that shouldn't be considered. And the prosecution is going to say, you've heard evidence that he has had hands-on offenses, that even though this is his first time that he's been caught, that we've heard of these other acts and that the fact that he has so many kids makes this very, very concerning. Um, and that therefore he should be sentenced to more time because this is going to, um, this is going to happen. I've also gotten a lot of questions about the plea deal. I wanted to, let me see, I should just pull that up. I wanted to talk about where that came from really quickly because we normally don't know what the government offers in a plea deal. So I just want to, I've gone over this ages ago. Um, but I want to pull up, let me find it real quick. I want to pull up the, um, the actual document that this is from where this information came from, because it came from a court filing that then had an email attached and it came from the body of that email. So people are like, no, he was offered 10 years. He was offered 10 years. Well, kind of. So this is where this comes from. Just so we all can talk about the facts at this, on the same page. This email is from, um, from the AUSA to the defense attorneys. Um, and it says all to recap our meeting today at Homeland security regarding the proposed, um, receipt plea offer, the government provided defense counsel with an oral review of the discovery material that has been provided via, via USAFX. The government displayed the Marissa images and the video of the CP downloaded by law enforcement to defense counsel. So this is what they showed defense counsel. They showed them the evidence in this case. The government offered a review of all of the CP images discovered during the forensic process, but that offer was declined. The defense attorneys are like, no, we don't want to see. We don't. We're good. During the meeting, defense counsel inquired about the law enforcement agency that did the initial uh, CP downloads, and the attorney for the government stated that it was Little Rock Police. Um, there was also an inquiry from the defense about the procedure the case will follow if there is not a plea to an information, which means specific a specific plea. And the government indicated it would follow the normal course of any CP case. The defense likewise inquired about the applicable sentencing guidelines, and the government's attorney stated that the defendant would hit all enhancements, which would likely result in a guideline recommended sentence around 10 years, which also means now this can be 10 years. If they might argue for more after trial, they may not. But this is a recommended sentence of 10 years. This is not a plea to 10 years. This is not an offer of a plea to 10 years. This is, this is what we see a likely recommend would be. However, there was no oral agreement as to sentence or promise regarding the accuracy of the guideline estimate provided. Also during the meeting, there was a request for the download logs. And then the rest of this goes into their discovery obligations and if there could be a plea. That's where this number of 10 years is coming from, which makes sense. It is double the mandatory minimum. Mandatory minimum on that charge is five. It's double. It's half of the maximum sentence. 10 makes sense. And the thing about the, the, thing about the federal courts is in state court, if you are a prosecutor, me, prosecutor, and you say, defense attorney, if your defendant pleads to count one and two, I'll dismiss the rest of the counts and he will get a sentence of 15 years. 
and you go into court and you take the plea and the judge sentences them to 15 years. It's done. That's not how it works in federal court. In federal court, the government comes in and argues, hey, the defendant is pleading to this count. We're dismissing this count. We recommend 10 years. And then the defense is like, and we're asking for a downward departure. And then the judge decides and the judge can pick 10 or the judge can pick more or the judge can pick less. So it's not ever a hard offer. So this was a conversation that they would likely recommend a sentence around 10 years, right in the middle. So it was never a, you complete today, you know, going once, going twice, here's 10 years. It was a conversation in this email that they had when they were turning over the defense and doing all of their due diligence. Hey, we think it would likely result in a guideline recommended sentence around 10 years based on everything we know. Double the minimum, half time, that's what it is. But it's not that it's not that he was offered a plea of 10 years. They said, this is most likely what it is. If he had then said, we, I want to take a plea, can you tell me what the amount is? We never saw that information. It came from this email that was attached as an exhibit to one of the motions that came up. Um, so I wanted to just clarify that because people were like, but he turned down 10 years, so he has to get more. Not exactly. The government said they would likely recommend 10 years. It's not that he said, fuck you, 10 years, I'm going to go with more. Um, and it doesn't mean that the court will say, because the government offered 10 years after trial, you now have to get 15. The court could still say, you know what, this is double the mandatory minimum and it's right in the middle, that's fine. You get a midterm. I don't think you deserve low term. I don't think you deserve the max. You get a midterm of 10 years, which is why that eight to 12 range um, seems like that's what it is. So Deborah Wallace asked the question, if Duggar would have got 10 years in his plea deal, we don't know if he would have got 10 years in his plea deal because that would have been the likely recommended from the government and the court could have gone above or below that. So we don't know what he would have gotten. He didn't take responsibility early. He could have gotten eight. He could have gotten five. The government said they would argue for 10 or they would likely recommend 10, but they didn't say that that's what they were offering. Um, would the judge likely go lower than that? The judge can. Will the judge? I don't know. The judge might see it the way I do. 10 is right in the, 10 is right in the middle. Does he deserve less based on everything we know? Maybe not. So it'll be very, very interesting. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens from here. So that hopefully clears up what this, um, what this was. He did not get an offer of 10. So I just want to clear that up because I worry that people are going to be very disappointed when the sentence is not as high as everybody would like it to be. However, the sentence is probably not going to be as high as everybody would like it to be because normal humans look at this and go, yeah, but this is fucking terrible. Correct. But in the world of what this judge has seen as a federal judge, this is not on the top of the most terrible and awful shit that this judge has seen. Um, the higher sentences, and there are cases where the mandatory minimum is much higher, but that is for hands-on crimes, assaultive crimes, and the creation of the things not for the receipt and possession. This is considered a lower severity crime than those other things. Hopefully that clears that up. Thank you all for being with me through this episode. Hopefully it brings more understanding of not just what happened with Josh Duggar's conviction, but also how our criminal justice system works, particularly as it relates to federal trials. So raise a glass with me as we get into this holiday season 
it is very much time for us to give each other a toast and say, hey, may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you so much for being a law nerd. Thank you for being here. And thank you for caring about the facts. I can't wait to hear what you think of this episode. Please feel free to share it with me at the Emily D Baker all over social media. And I will talk to you in the next one. <laughs>